dancing there. Oh, the red shell. Straight up. Oh, it's there. I guess that one of the challenges is to describe it to someone who has never seen it before. Here goes perhaps my best try. Imagine that you are swimming deep underwater in a dark swimming pool. You look up and you see someone, perhaps even a giant, that stands above you on the edge of the pool and then he or she starts to pour light into the water from a bottle make sense? We are in Björklidan, 200 kilometers north of the Arctic Circle, in search of the Northern Lights. Welcome to episode 5 of Lapland Stories. It is October and a heavy snowfall slows down our drive up to Björklidan. Daylight is sparse this time of the year. At 3 p.m. we are reminded that the dark months, where the sun barely make it higher than the horizon, is just around the corner. The darkness, however, is our best companion for this trip. We come here to experience the famous northern lights, the most amazing light show you will ever see. The location north of the Arctic Circle is perfect to see this phenomenon that is kind of a cooperation between the sun and each of the two poles of our Earth. The lack of daylight, and any other light for that matter, of course makes it even easier to see. At Björklinan we work with the best operators to make the most of this wonderful natural resource. One of them is American Chad Blakey. Uh, my name is Chad Blakely. I'm the owner of two companies here in Albisku, one of which is Lights Over Lapland. Uh, we're proud to say we're the the largest Aurora Borealis tourism company, not only in Sweden, but as far as we can tell, in the world. Uh, one of the fastest growing companies in uh, all of Lapland. The second company is Visit Albisku. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a transportation company and also a, a tourism company that was really grown out of necessity because of all the success that Lights Over Lapland has had. Um, to be very honest, the infrastructure here in the north is, as you can imagine, not necessarily prepared for all of the tourism that we've had. So uh, in order for Lights Over Lapland to continue to grow, we had to uh, create a sister company in order to, to keep everything moving smoothly. How come you ended up in this part of the world? You know, it was all happenstance, or I, I like to use the word serendipity. Um, I'm originally from the States. I married a, a beautiful Swedish lady and we decided at the time that we wanted to get out of the States for a while, just potentially for one season, move to Sweden, somewhere up in Lapland. I, I've always been a fan of the outdoors and the mountains, so we decided to apply at all of the mountain huts along the Kungsleden. And uh, because I was an English speaker, couldn't speak a word of Swedish, basically everyone said no, uh, except for STF Albisku. Um, as I say, it was it was really just chance. So uh, they gave me a job as the the first season as a toilet cleaner. 
uh, got my foot in the door. And the plan was just to go back uh, as soon as that season was over. But I fell in love with with uh, Lapland and and all of the the wild scenery here. And uh, we decided to stick it out for a winter, and then the rest, as they say, is history. What are your first impression? What what were your first impressions of the of the area? You know, I had never heard of Lapland. It was at at the time this obscure place on the map that really had no sort of feeling in my mind. So I came here with a very how do I say a very clear expectation of nothing. And I think when you're traveling, the less you expect or the less you have in your mind, the better off you are. So the first time I saw it, I actually came up on the train. And uh, as we got to Kirana, I was thinking, okay, we're we're 45 minutes away from this place. And while it was absolutely beautiful and vast and open, I was really wanting mountains and, and big, big scenery. And I was thinking, okay, it's spectacular, but it's not huge. Well, as we rolled into Albisku and we could see Bjorklid and all the mountains and Laport and all these things, it was as though uh, I saw wilderness for the very first time. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in the Rocky Mountains, in Alaska, in Patagonia, all over the world looking at wilderness. But I, I really can say that uh, Lapland is its own sort of wild. It's a, a spectacular place. And uh, this, um, what, what came to be your focus except for, for your wife then, the, mm. the Aurora Borealis? How, how, when was the first time that you experienced them? Well, you know, I was here for a summer, and the aurora was nowhere in my mind. No one had ever mentioned anything about these magical lights in the sky. And I, I fell in love with the place as a summer destination. Um, but the second season that I was here, again, another serendipity sort of a moment happened, and uh, I was offered a job as a nighttime disher. I was excited because at the time I thought, that means I'm going to get to go to Bjorklid and Rick Scranson and ski every day. That first season, I think I skied 50, 60 days. It was absolutely brilliant. Well, it was nearly the end of the winter season, and uh, I was walking back over Lake Tornatres. We lived uh, in, in the Ostra, away from the, the tourist station here. And as I was walking home, just sort of out of the corner of my eye, I, I, I saw what at the time was nothing more than a green haze in the sky. Uh, and it honestly, I didn't understand what I was seeing. I, I couldn't understand it. But after kind of hearkening back to eighth grade science class. I thought, okay, I'm above the Arctic Circle, there's green light in the sky, it must be an aurora. And I've always been infatuated by brilliant things in nature. And uh, as that green haze developed into a fairly powerful aurora, and it may not have been all that powerful at the time, but that first is always the best, you know. And as it, as it grew into something really strong, I was like a, a fish on a hook, man. I had to see more and more. And a lot of people, um, they relate the auroras to an addiction. Every time you see the northern lights, you want to see that stronger fix. You want to see that more intense display. And uh, I've seen some pretty powerful shows, but I have to say, every time I see one that tops the best I've seen before, I instantly want to see something bigger. And uh, I think... Uh, it's a fantastic thing to be addicted to. What do you know of the, I don't know how to put it, like the cultural, historical part of yeah. uh, the Aurora? Because I can just imagine being like here hundreds of years ago, the people living here, when they saw something like this, what, what, yeah. what were their relation to, to the Aurora? 
Well, you know, it, when I saw the aurora for the first time, I, I had absolutely no scientific understanding of, of what it was. Um, I am not a religious person, so my mind instantly just went to, I have to understand the science behind this. Um, but if, if I put myself, say, in a Sami love or a Sami hut 200 years ago, before I know anything about science, before man has, has got you know, the ability to fly in a spaceship up into space and look at the northern lights from afar, if you look up at this, this technicolor dream in the sky, you would have to ask yourself, what is that? And, you know, I, I've asked a lot of people and, and done a lot of research, and a lot of people instantly go to the spirit world. They start to think about it. It, it, it must be something more powerful than I am. And the truth is, it's much more powerful than we are. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of different cultures had different beliefs. Uh, some, some of the cultures believe that it was uh, their ancestors playing football with the, the dead head of a walrus. That one, I can't understand. I mean, uh, for me, it would be the obvious explanation. Yeah, of course. It, it seems logical. Um, some cultures, I, I won't say which country, but the, uh, the large Scandinavian country to our west that has a lot of uh, interest in fishing, believed that uh, it was nothing more than a reflection of schools of fish in the Arctic Ocean from the moonlight, which, again makes perfect sense but I, I think that if I were to put myself in in the shoes of someone with absolutely no scientific understanding of the natural world I would probably go to the same place that the Sami culture believe and they believe it's where their ancestors go uh, in the afterlife a lot of times uh, it, the Sami people treat them with reverence and respect they teach their children never to to yell at them or whistle at them and and really be respectful and i think that that says a lot about uh how connected the the sami people are and continue to be uh, to the natural world could you describe the the services that you provide for the people coming here you know bjork lead and, and rick's grandson are, are clearly um recognized in Scandinavia as the place to go and do some extreme skiing. Um, and, and the cool thing is, you know, there's lots of stuff to do here during the daytime. That, that sorts itself. On a, a bluebird day like today, you can ski all day, you can go have an after ski. But I, I think, for me, when I travel, I like to really get to know the heart and soul of a place. And of course, the mountains and the skiing and all those things are, are the draw for everyone. But I think it's pretty fantastic that you can come to Bjorkleden and Riesgrenzen and ski all day, but then you're literally just a few steps away from quite possibly the best place on earth to see the Northern Lights. So in essence, you know, I don't provide any service other than telling people, go out and look at the sky. And uh, the reality of things is you can turn your trip into a twofer and end up with a great ski day, a psychedelic trip all provided by nature in the <laughs> evening. And, uh, start and perfectly over. legal. Perfectly legal. This is Scandinavia, of course. We have to behave ourselves. But uh, nature is the, the greatest provider of these things. Um, and and um, one of the destinations is uh, the Loktashoko yep. um, mountain hut. Yep. And, and it's possible to go up there to uh, experience it? It is. You know, I, I work with another company called Off the Map Travel, and uh, we, in cooperation with Björk Lied and, and Lokta Choka, have, have developed a product that I think is, is one of the finest Aurora products out there. You know, you, you go to the hotel after a day of skiing, uh, you get in the, the snow cat, and you, you, you take an hour long ride through pure mountain wilderness on a, a groomed trail. 
halfway along the trail you stop and uh, I'm there waiting for you with my laser pointer showing all these constellations, showing you the stars, more stars than you've ever seen, I would guess. Uh, and then you end up at Lokta Chokka, which is the highest elevation hotel in all of Sweden. Uh, it also happens to be the highest bar in Sweden, and uh, you can get yourself a nice drink of Macmira, which uh, is a Swedish whiskey. I, I, I can't put in too many plugs for those, but if you're at Lokta Chokka and you don't get, a, get yourself a Macmira, you haven't lived. Uh, anyhow, while we're at Lokta Chokka, we, we give a presentation about how the lights work. We, we show you a little... Um, slideshow of Aurora photographs that we've taken at Lokta Chokka and then to finish the night off world famous uh, waffle from Lokta Chokka and then after that of course uh, we go out into what what some people a gentleman named Johnny Cooper refers to as the blue hole of Lokta Chokka uh, I can honestly say I've never been to Lokta Chokka and not seen the northern lights now of course that uh, that is not a statistic that will last an eternity but as it stands today, I've been up there two years in a row and, and seen the lights every time. Uh, could you briefly uh, tell us what what are the normal lights? Um, I, I have a hard time doing anything briefly when I get to talking, <laughs> man. But uh, the northern lights are are basically the the natural world's equivalent of a neon light. Uh, the science behind the aurora borealis and the science behind a neon light are basically the same. Now, I, I always feel as though, before I answer this question, I need to make it very clear. I'm a college dropout. Uh, I am not an astrophysicist. However, I, I think it's fair to say that I've seen more auroras than any living human, and uh, I've done some studying. So now the caveat is out there. But uh, the northern lights are... They start on the sun. The sun is just a big massive nuclear engine that is constantly spewing energy out into space uh, in all directions. And sometimes the energy leaves the sun and travels through space in the direction of Earth. Um, depending upon the speed and the intensity of this uh, solar energy, and the proper name for it is solar wind, it takes on average, let's just say two days to get to Earth from the sun. It passes the first planet in our solar system, which is Mercury passes the second solar system in our planet, which is Venus. Nothing really happens on those two planets, but when it gets to Earth, um, the solar energy has to interact with our atmosphere and our magnetosphere. Now, these two spheres, uh, they, they keep energy and, and gas inside of the Earth. And as the electrical properties of the solar wind interact with the north and the south pole and the compressed gas in the atmosphere, they glow, just like a neon light. A neon light is nothing more than a tube with a compressed gas and electricity is going through it. Earth is nothing more than a big tube with compressed gas, a positive and a negative charge on the poles. Bang, we have auroras. Uh, one of the rumors about northern lights is that you sometimes can hear it. Yeah. Is that just rumors? The only, the only true answer I can give you is, I, I can honestly say I have spent thousands of hours outside under the northern lights, I have never heard them. I have never been in the presence of anyone who, at the same time that I was watching the auroras, have heard them. Uh, I think we've had something like 10,000 guests in the last few years and never a single one have heard. Now I will say there was a guest um, who swore to me that she heard the northern lights, but it was the SJ train coming past and the electricity <laughs> popping through the wires. I tried to explain that to her, but after the fifth or sixth time of her saying, no, it's the aurora, I said, okay, it's the aurora. Um, the truth of the matter is, light and sound travel 
through the atmosphere at immensely different speeds. The, sound, the speed of light and the speed of sound are very far apart from one another. So for you to hear the northern lights, they would have had to have happened much, much earlier in the evening. What I believe is happening, and this is just a hypothesis of a college dropout, and it, the college I went to wasn't even that good, so I dropped out of a, a crappy school. Um, but my hypothesis is this. When you look up and you see what could be called the, the most powerful light show in the universe. I've seen several Pink Floyd light shows, and this is even better, man. Um, but when you see something like that, that, that is literally filling the entire sky with, with multicolored things dancing around, your brain can't understand how something that powerful doesn't make a sound. So what I believe is happening is your brain is synthesizing some sort of a sound and tricking you into it. But uh, again, I have never heard. How difficult is to, I mean, this is your uh, part of your profession to capture these images, but how difficult is it for a, for a normal person, like an amateur with a, with a decent camera, yeah. to, to capture it? You know, when I, when I first started doing this, uh, I used to say it's very hard to take photographs because at the time I earned a living uh, from selling photographs. Now, for the most part, I give, give the pictures away, I give the videos away because I earn a living helping people take photographs of the lights. Uh, the truth of the matter is with just a few little tweaks of the camera, it's very easy to do. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to set those. I would enc encourage all of your guests or listeners, I should say, to join one of our tours and in three hours I can take you from a novice who's never photographed the Northern Lights to a, a pro that knows exactly what they're doing. Um, it, it's very very simple. Anyone with a basic camera uh, that, that has settings where you can change the ISO and the focus and the shutter speed and all that can do it. Um, I've even seen a few people take it with their iPhone but uh, I, I would advise that you have a slightly better camera for that. One of the greatest things about my job is the fact that I get to kind of shepherd people out into the wilderness and show them things that a lot of them have dreamed of seeing for their entire life. I mean, this this silly movie, The Bucket List, it, it's, it's created an entire industry. And, uh, you know, people put so much focus on seeing the Northern Lights while they're here that a lot of times when they finally see them, especially if it's a powerful display, um, Grown men can be moved to tears. Uh, I've seen 10, 20, 30 people get down on a knee and propose to their fiance, most of which were not planned. They were just so taken by it. Um, I, I've seen and heard, uh, maybe I should say, I have heard people from Asia, um, let's just say creating children under the Northern Lights because they believe that uh, if, if they create the child at the exact moment that the lights are dancing overhead, that the child will be blessed with a, a life of uh, prosperity. I've seen people have religious experiences. You know, of course, I do the job to earn a living. We all have to, to pay our bills, but I think the most rewarding thing for me is to be able to watch people experience nature. Um, and in my opinion, there's no greater show in nature than the Northern Lights. I meet up with a small group from England. In the lobby, there's a fireplace sparkling, spreading a very tempting and welcoming warmth. 
It's about 10 in the evening and we head out in the darkness to join Björklinen's guide Amanda that will lead us on a two kilometer walk up towards the mountains where we hopefully will get a glimpse of the alluring northern lights. The weather, in all honesty, is not in our favor this evening. The clouds that brought this heavy snowfall earlier lingers and cover the mountains like a heavy grey blanket. As we start walking uphill, I am bitterly convinced that the northern lights will be in no show this evening. There is no doubt that the phenomenon have a very strong effect on people. One of the affected is local entrepreneur Johnny Cooper. So uh, I'm Johnny Cooper and I am owner of Off The Map Travel and we are a specialist uh, Northern Lights uh, soft adventure holiday specialist actually. Soft adventure? Soft adventure, yeah. So that is uh, holidays for everyone to give everyone a chance to do adventure but without... I coined a phrase once was you can have a you can have an adventure holiday without having a cold cup of, cup of tea and a soggy sandwich up a mountain. It's achievable to do that. No, no soggy sandwiches. Uh, you know you can go snowmobiling, then come back and have a really nice meal in the restaurant, and there's no reason you can't do it. Um, so yeah, soft adventure. That's that's what we kind of specialise in. So what's the story behind off the map travel? So uh, it all happened uh, kind of almost unintentionally. Um, we went on holiday uh, to Karuna uh, to see the Northern Lights. That's me and my wife who own the company. And um, and you're both from from the UK. Yes, you're both, both from the UK. You, 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 where do you reside? Where do you live? So uh, for the last ten years, we lived in Bath in the UK, um, and we went on holiday to uh, Karuna to see the Northern Lights. And one evening in the guidebook, there was well, there's one line in the guidebook that says the Aurora Sky Station in Nabisco. So we hired a car and we drove through the night and it was a blizzard because I remember driving thinking, am I going to make it? Uh, and we got to Nabisco and we couldn't find anywhere that was uh, free to eat. There was no places. So then we saw the lights of Bjorklin in the distance. So we drove there and uh, we had dinner there and there was northern lights in the sky and the restaurant was really nice. Um, it was February half term, which is the school holidays in England. Um, but at the time there was no one here and we couldn't really understand it uh, and we weren't travel operators or anything at that point um, so we literally walked up to the front desk and said can we send people to you and I don't know who it was but they said yeah sure um, <laughs> and then from there we kind of worked for a, well we've worked until today very closely with them and I remember one conversation specifically stuck in my, my mind uh, it was with someone who's, who's not here now but uh, I remember having the very first meeting with them and I said, um, the nursery lights on the ski slope, on the nursery slope, um, you need to turn them off at night. And the guy said to me, why? And I said, because people want to see the Northern Lights. And I think his response was, people really want to see the Northern Lights. If we could, we'd light up the whole mountain. And that was the kind of way it was thought of here at that time. There wasn't the kind of connection between the tourism and the Aurora. So we've gone on a long journey with them. Uh, that was way before... I think almost everyone who's here now, um, that was a long time before that. So um, we've come a long way since then and now now those lights go off at half past six, I think. <laughs> so it's nice and dark so you can see the aurora. Um, so yeah, that's how, it all, that's how it all started, was Bjorklin was central to the whole business from the very start and, and it still is today. Uh, where does your customers come from? 
All over the world, um, we get obviously a lot of customers from the UK. We have had people from Colombia, Brazil, America, Australia. Um, I'm trying to think where else. France, Germany. So yeah, completely international, all over the place. Um, also Swedish. Uh, not so many Swedes ourselves. Um, I think a lot of those will. Uh, mind you, say that a lot of people still maybe in Sweden don't associate. Bjorklund with the Aurora, they still historically see it as a ski resort, so there's lots of kind of skis that come, but um, we ourselves don't have many Swedes kind of booked through us. The odd, I think we've had one or two, um, but not a huge amount. Uh, describe the uh, the experience that you're you're aiming for, like from 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 beginning to to end for uh, one of your customers. Uh, I want them to see and feel the Aurora uh, and enjoy the Aurora as much as I do. That's that's the one goal that we have, and we're kind of really passionate about that. That and that's one of the reasons I think why Katie and I are here, and we try to you know involve ourselves so much is because we almost take it personally <laughs> in regards to making them getting the customers see the aurora, and sometimes that means you know we're just about to get into bed at night, and we look at the uh, aurora sky station camera, we look out the window, and there's aurora. And there hadn't been five minutes ago, so it's closed back on, texting customers, you know, uh, the Aurora's here. And it's that kind of, it's, it's, it's my, even talking about it, it makes my hair stand up on end because it's the excitement of seeing it. And I really, that's what we want the customers to get is that excitement. And it's really, really great for them. Uh, it's really good for us as well when we see customers who kind of are enjoying the Aurora and really kind of realizing their dream. We had a, had a lady who traveled with us recently um, who was who was uh, she was crying under the aurora, um, and that was that was quite like emotional to see. Um, she had had some health problems, and I think that kind of tied into it. Um, so that was that was really kind of satisfying to see that because you kind of I don't want to use the term making people's dreams come true because it's a bit corny, but it, it's nice to be able to give them the opportunity to to realise their dream uh, of seeing the northern lights. That's what's really good. Do you remember yourself the the first time you saw the the first your first real auroras? Yeah, I remember it was Valentine's Day, February fourteenth, and I got a photo of it, and we still use it on some of our like uh, merchandising and advertising stuff today. But that was the first time when it was really big aurora. I'd seen it through a cloud before that, but it was the time I came up to Bjorklund. In fact, I remember where I was standing, standing in the Kapas Cabin Village, looking over the lake slightly to the uh, what would it be east. And the aurora came up from behind the mountains, and it was—it's still probably one of the the best aurora I've seen. Whether that's because it was the first, I don't know, but that—that that, yeah, and I think that'll always stay with me because it was just such a—it's really hard to describe the feeling you get when you see it, the scale of it, how big it is, how it can move. It's uh, it's uh, it's yeah, it's difficult to to explain until you've seen it. Uh, what's your view on this? Well, this place, this village that we are in now at Bjorklinden, what, what's, your, what's your take on that? Bjorklinden has a very special place for me, and, and, and I think it does it to everyone, and I, I don't know how to quite describe it. It is, you build a connection with it that is really quite strong, and you don't realise how strong it is until you leave it, and then you want to come back to it, and you want to come back to it soon. Um, whether it's the aurora, whether it's the view of Laporton across the lake, um, but you will almost be able to. It, it it does things for you, 
um, say for example, say if you've had a really bad day at the office, I don't know, so, you know, so, something's gone wrong, the computer's not working that day, and you just, and you want to kind of uh, relax or whatever, and you've had a bad day, it's got a knack of being able to produce something that makes you go almost forgive everything that's happened. So it doesn't matter what's happened that day, you'll go outside and you'll see the amazing aurora and you'll go, oh, that's, that's what's here. Or you're, you know, the next morning you wake up, open the curtains, and the sunrise will be so spectacular that you just stand there and watch it for five minutes because it is that amazing. Um, and that's, that's what kind of really kind of we think is really good about this destination, as well as obviously all the activities and the experiences it offers, but it's also really genuine still. It's got that, you know, the people that work here, you, you have to be a certain type of person to live and work here. You can't, you know, if, if you like Costa Coffee and the city and stuff, then you're not going to be able to come and work here. You come on holiday here, fantastic. But it attracts, and, and those people are, because they are so genuine, that gives it a real genuine feel in 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 its kind of ambiance and, and feel. What kind of uh, activities do you self uh, do around here, like uh, when you're not working? So myself, yeah. uh, well, there's not much time for not working, but when I do, uh, a bit of skiing, uh, snowmobiling, just kind of getting out into the nature. Um, it's always good fun just to kind of go to the local pub, have a drink with some friends, have some food. Um, maybe go down to Narvik, down to the fjords, had a, a picnic on the beach two days ago. And that was yesterday, sorry. Picnic on the beach in Narvik, that was really nice with a couple of, well, with Katie and a friend. That was really nice. So really just kind of doing the things that everyone else comes to do. We still enjoy doing those types of things. So, um, no, it's... it's I haven't got a PlayStation, so can't do that. <laughs> you got Aurora's and Mountains. Yeah, Aurora's that's Mountains. Be, that's a better place. Exactly, exactly, definitely. Uh, what other, um, what other, uh, what other tours do you offer uh, your customers, except for the uh, Aurora's? So we do dog sledding. That's a really popular one. Um, I would say if you're going to rank them, kind of dog sledding above the Aurora, uh, below the Aurora, dog sledding would be the one. That's really, again, it's about having an experience that's really genuine and real and I don't think anyone can really know what dog sledding is like until you do it it's not like snowboarding is really fantastic fun really adrenaline kind of activity but everyone's kind of heard an engine before dog sledding they've never heard that engine before so uh, that's that's one we also do like I say snowboarding up to Lopter um, ice fishing um, skiing obviously um, what else to do? Snowshoeing as well. Um, so it's kind of quite varied. Narvik trips, ice hotel. Um, we do some kind of Arctic days where they kind of get out for the whole day into the mountains. So that's a bit of snowboarding, ice fishing, dinner out in the wilderness, that kind of stuff. So getting people back to nature as well. So that's that's a really good one. Everything we do for our customers is completely tailor made. So we put a trip. So although someone might do the same activities, all of our trips are completely tailor-made. So we really kind of try and customise it to the customer's needs. And Bjorklund works really well for that because we've got so many options that we can kind of... It's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. So we have to build it all for the customer. Um, and that's something we really pride ourselves on because there's, you know, there's a lot of work to put these individual itineraries together for people. So, but we find that works the best because you know, these are once-in-a-lifetime trips sometimes for people. So it's important that they get an experience that is unique to them 
rather than you know too much off the shelf kind of stuff you get customers that you sometimes you kind of group customers into kind of three groups and and you get people who arrive and they they instantly get the destination they 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 understand it they understand where they are how it works and you know, they relax into that into into the holiday really quickly then you get people who um, arrive and it might be that they've never been anywhere quite so wilderness like before and then it takes them you can see you can see this transition because they're initially they're almost not nervous isn't quite the right word but they're apprehensive about something and then they slowly kind of move in um, and the final group I suppose are those people who they they takes them a little bit longer still but by the end of it they kind of look back and they go to themselves wow that was a really great place to be and great place to go um, the, the only customer complete different now but the only customer I can think of that has always stuck in my mind is we had a had um, a customer who had hired a car and he'd driven he'd driven all the way from Karuna to Bjorkloon and uh, in the daytime no problem Anyway, one evening I get a phone call from him and he says to me, um, why, oh, where's the Aurora Sky Station? And I said, I explained to him, well, if you look on your itinerary, you'll see there's a little map and explain where it is. Uh, and I said, it's about a 10 minute drive away, basically down the road you, you've come. And he replied with, but there's no streetlights. And I said to him, no, there's no streetlights. And he said, but I've never driven in the night time without any streetlights. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, once I kind of got my thoughts together and thought what, what's going on here I kind of convinced him that he was going to be alright and he can make the drive but it just made me laugh that he'd driven all the way here in the daytime but wouldn't drive 10 minutes down the road because there was no streetlights um, and, and that's always stuck with me because I think living here so long or coming you know back and forth you kind of uh, you lose sometimes the the understanding of how remote this area can be and it's, it's remote in regard to how far it is from other places, but it's not remote in regard to, you know, restaurant, food, activities, accommodation. Um, but yeah, sometimes, you know, for someone who's lived in London all their life and they come out here, this is kind of like real wilderness and it is real wilderness, but um, that's, that's really interesting some, to, to see how people kind of, fit in and, and start to understand and, and are really quite nervous sometimes even like walking onto the back up there they won't they won't want to do it on their own uh, even to us you know we'll walk up there no problem no torch it doesn't really matter but that's really not that's a nice journey actually to see the pe people kind of go on that journey and they have to hold their hand a little bit of the way and then they're slowly by the end of the week they're starting to it's about feeling comfortable in your environment again and working out there's no polar bears they're not going to be eaten by papers. It's all safe. You're all good. <laughs> has, uh, has this changed you in any way? Um, it's made me happier. Definitely made me happier. Um, I Previously, I was working... Uh, it was long commutes, so four hours commuting a day sometimes. Long drives. I used to have to fly to work, believe it or not, in a plane. <laughs> Uh, twice a week, fly to work and fly home again on Thursday. So not having to do that is much nicer. And being in control of of my own or our own destiny and and is really nice. That's that's the best thing. Um, 
and I think as well being able to do something where I you know the aurora to, to life without the aurora now seems really weird and I think the ability to as I was saying earlier to show someone the aurora and give them or, or hope to try and give them the same feeling that, you, that I get when we see it that's that's kind of changed me in regard to uh, wanting to give that experience to other people and that's that's really kind of uh, something that I, there's kind of I wouldn't have ever thought that would be the main driving force behind things originally so that's an interesting kind of thing we reach a small wooden cottage Amanda lets us in and light a fire over a cup of warm lingonberry drink we start to wait Every 10 minutes or so, someone sticks their head out to see if the thick blanket of cloud starts to thin out. After more than one hour, we actually start to see some stars. A very good sign. Standing there in the darkness, staring intensely at the dark sky, makes you start to question your senses in some ways. Was that just a cloud or...? Uh, and the stronger it's getting, the more it starts to move. It looks like it does move. But it could show up really quick, so okay. suddenly it's there. Oh, okay. It gives us a bit of hope. Yes, of course. Suddenly appear. There's always hope. Yeah. Then, suddenly. Right above oh, us, look yeah. At that. Is that like the, the hole? No, no, that is a hole. Look right above. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh, right up there. Within 10 minutes, the sky goes from cloudy to clear. The most spectacular northern light starts to form for us. <laughs> Wow. Wait, 
Yeah, it moves like that. It's just really yeah. magical. Across here, look. Who's coming around? How would how would you describe it? Like for someone who haven't seen it at all? What does it just look like? A dancing phenomenon. It's just it's not what I expected. It's not what I expected at all. I thought it'd be static for longer, but it's changing the whole time. It's amazing. It's clearly it's clearly a natural thing, but it doesn't doesn't look natural. It doesn't yeah, it doesn't seem natural in a way. Even, even though static, you know it is natural, you know what move. is behind it. Yeah, it just it just looks unnatural. It's amazing. Words are useless to describe something that you see clearly before your eyes, but at the same time it is so huge, so overwhelming, that yeah. it is hard to realize that this is a natural phenomenon. The strokes of light cover the entire sky, and at least four times the shapes move fast and bright for us. Was it a good birthday present? Very good, yes. Yeah. I've waited a long time for this. 50 years. 50 years for this. <laughs> Was that, was that one of the reasons that you that you all decided to come here? Yes, yeah. it's the only reason. It was. I said yeah, um, a couple of years ago I wanted to see it, and uh, so it was a surprise birthday present. Wow. So, fantastic. And it's magical. And in a couple of hours you'll celebrate your birthday. Yeah, tomorrow, birthday, and we're going to see them again tomorrow, I know, now they're here. Look at that. You usually see it like, in a more compact area, now it's all over the sky. Huge. Yeah. And that's not so common. It's not usual. No. I think it's starting to turn a bit green now, isn't it? Yeah, it's getting greener. I'm not getting the green. Yeah, you just see the hint of green. See? Yeah. I'm going to fall over in a minute. <laughs> That, that, that. Yeah. Pretty green there. That's got a lot of that's got a lot of green in it, that one. Is it possible to kind of put in words to describe what you're seeing? It's just so mysterious. It's a kind of ghostly soft light. It's so unusual. I don't think there's anything we would see in our to compare it to. It's almost it's like definitely unique. Yeah, it's really unique. It's yeah. like it's like fluid. It's more fluid than I thought it would be. But it's definitely got a magical touch. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. It's like a kid with a new toy. It's um, it's mesmerizing. <laughs> so how is your Arctic vacation coming along? Very good. Well for me, fantastic. There's a lot of pressure. Not just because it was my it's my wife's fiftieth tomorrow but also organising it, having organised it for about 12 months, 18 months. Also friends coming. 
you want to come all this way and you want to see the Northern Lights. So fantastic. But that's the, but the the Northern Lights was the the main the main the, the focus. M- absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're more than satisfied now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we've been trying to keep it a secret yeah. from Liz, but we had to tell her to bring warm clothing, <laughs> <laughs> so she sort of guessed. <laughs> but apart from that, what has been your like most memorable impression so far of this place? I think it's just the the, the sort of the wilderness. It's just it's just completely different from the norm for us. You know, we we, we just we just don't do this sort of thing. You know, to get into somewhere so extreme and different is fantastic. But still accessible. Yeah, absolutely, still accessible. Yeah. No, it's been very good, very enjoyable. And also getting to see your your old friend in uh, snowshoes. Snowshoes, yeah, seeing a friend in snowshoes. That's yeah. I never thought I'd see how's, that day. How's he he's behaving? How's he been? Yeah, how, how, how do you think he's handling the snowshoes? He's, he's, he's doing all right. I want to see him on the downslope. He was all right on the upslope. See how <laughs> he's, he's doing great. He's like yeah, come on. Professional, yeah. Can you actually ski down the downslope? In those, or what are you going to talk about? <laughs> 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 yes, I mean, that's the thing about you know we go on a lot of holidays, but there's there's never much uniqueness. Northern Lights snowshoes. And then, and then down to to a, a sauna that's waiting for down you. Down to a sauna, cabin. down to a sauna, down to a hot tub. Fantastic. Log cabin as well. That was another one of my wife's dreams oh, yeah. was to stay in a isolated log cabin. It is hard to describe the Northern Lights without using a bunch of cliches. The truth, however, is that it needs to be seen. It was um, mystical, otherworldly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, 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 you are speechless because it's not what you expect, but it's not what we expected. And because it's so transient and appears suddenly, moves, it dances, it disappears, and then it started somewhere else. And it's just overwhelming. It's the whole. Yeah, it's very. It's emotional. I think when you see things that are a natural phenomenon, you don't, you can't create it. And when you're lucky enough to see it, but it is what, quite What magical. did you know before, like beforehand? What you only you... see photos and, you know, you, you sort of think what it's going to be like, but until you actually experience it, it's, and it's just completely out different. And be, be advised that it might happen soon and you don't really know where it's going to happen. You don't even know what you're looking for, really. And then suddenly something happens. It just takes you by surprise it's 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 shocking and it's stunning and yeah it's like being a child isn't it yeah and experiencing something new we're so used to control in our lives and everything's man-made and panned out and there's a theory behind it and it's all terribly expected and then you you see something you can't no it's just you come i mean i've had friends that have been here and they haven't seen the lights at all so to come and you know see them it's just, it's just amazing. If you are dreaming of heading up north this winter, and if you want to learn more about the Northern Lights, one interesting date for you to write down is January 15, 2016. 
The Aurora Festival is three days long and it is the first of its kind. It will be a celebration of the science, the myths and life under the Aurora. It will allow guests the chance to get involved with experiments and hands-on activities covering everything from the source of the Northern Lights to forecasting the Aurora and traditional Sami culture. Find out more at www.theaurorafestival.com So go up north this winter. Look up at the starry sky and hope for the best. This was episode 5 and the only English episode of Lapland Stories. My name is Magnus Ormestad. Lapland Stories is produced by Husky Productions. (laughs) 